Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Signs of the Swarm released their fifth album, Amongst the Low and Empty, on July 28th of this year. Featuring two new members, a throwback to their roots, and a clear desire to push themselves, Amongst the Low and Empty has already garnered an overwhelmingly positive reception. To chat about the album, Adversity, and the Path to Success, I am joined by Bobby Crow, the band's drummer and sole remaining original member. And a quick shout out to Looters Public Relations Agency for helping me set up this episode. Bobby, it's good to meet you and thank you for joining me today. Hell yeah, thanks for having me. I recently listened to David's episode with Matt McGacky and the Vox and Hops podcast, so he touched on a few things around the album, new techniques going back to his roots and pushing himself further. You've also brought on two new members for the release of this album and moving forward. So for you, what were some of those things you wanted to focus on musically, and how did the introduction of both Carl and Michael affect both your intent and the release of this album? Yeah, so we're always trying to do, you know, kind of heavier and more exciting, um, but I definitely feel like we... Um, not peaked by any means, but like we, we did the same thing for a long time over the course of like three albums. So and it was like, okay, how do we kind of um, take what we're doing and just make it a little more exciting, you know, and, and heavier, make it heavier, but not necessarily heavier in the sense of like it has to be breakdowns or that kind of thing, just something different and exciting. So we, when we get to points where we think about, you know, like, oh, we would usually do this. Uh, it, we would try really hard to think about like, well, how can we get that same kind of feeling or um, thought across but in a different way than we've done in, in the past so there's a lot of branching out and just trying new stuff and luckily it worked out really well uh, it could have went one of two ways uh, but yeah um, I think our last few albums especially this one are very much a representation of the people who are in the band at the time and uh, I feel like you can hear a lot of everybody's influences growing up like Dave said um, a lot of stuff that I listen to, I feel like comes through in our music in a weird way. Uh, sometimes things you might not expect, but um, yeah, Mike, this is Mike's first time recording bass with us, and he has such a unique style of playing bass. He's a fingerstyle bassist, and he's just awesome. Yeah, and Carl, we kind of he came into the band like near the end of our recording, actually, and we were pretty much done and happy with everything, and then we went back through with him on some stuff and just kind of had him try out some different stuff at different parts and it totally brought it to another level, which is really cool because it was really interesting because by the time we were done with, you know, we thought we were done with the record. We're like, cool, we're good. We're, we're ready to go. And then uh, once he started adding stuff, it's like crazy to think that that wasn't there before, you know? So, but he's great too. He's, he's, he wrote some solos and stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do. And he added some backing vocals to Davis vocals, which was really cool. Gives it a lot more of a dynamic um, through the album, you know, front to back, than just kind of just, and it just breaks some days' voice a little bit, which is cool. Seems like even with the introduction of the new members this time around, you didn't really have to work too much on getting you guys to meld well together as a team. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. I mean, Mike's been around for a while now. Uh, this is his first time, like, really writing in detail with us. Um, but like, he worked with me a little bit on on Bridal, which was a single we put out last year. Um, yeah, we, we toured a lot, and Carl, we toured with him before in 2022 when he was in another band. So we had already kind of had a, a good relationship with him. So yeah, I mean, everyone just kind of works together really well. I'm very grateful for that. It's not too much like pulling teeth, you know, like fighting for the good stuff. We just kind of trust trust everybody to make good decisions, and for the most part, everybody does, you know. We all, we all fumble a little bit here or there, you know, even me, <laughs> But, yeah. Well, I mean, that's where everyone else picks up the slack. Exactly. In yep. this interview, you touched on your new artwork as well. So when I first saw it, I seemed, it seemed to be like a close-up, uh, like a plant, like 
a plant like covered in frost or something like that, something that it was in the winter, but something just didn't sit right. And I ended up looking at it at a larger monitor there. I began thinking they all look like bodies. And then I was pleased to hear you confirm that during the interview with the Good Noise podcast. Who did you work with on the album cover and how did you find them? How did you seek them out? Yeah, a friend of ours, Gaber, um, he's done some work for us before, some digital work. Uh, yeah, we, he actually sent us a different design for the cover. So we had like three or four different things that we were looking at between the covers and you know, the, uh, the folds on the inside and the back. And the, the, that the whole thing was kind of based off the Tower of Torso song. Mm-hmm. And that was just going to be like a fold on the inside. And we just really liked it. We ended up deciding to replace the cover with that. And, and then now on, on the inside, there's a bunch of like different close-up angles of those uh, different pillars and stuff like that. But it just really fit the vibe. I don't know. Like a lot of our covers have had like creatures, that kind of thing on it. So we, that, that was the vibe we were going to go for. And we ended up putting that image on the uh, inside when you pull the CD out or uh, in the vinyl. If you open the fold, it's in there. But, but yes, we just, it just felt like um, it just felt appropriate. I don't know. I looked at it and I'm like, this is really cool. And it feels really dark. And it's, I think it's neat that when you just look at it, it's like, oh, this is cool. Like maybe it's just like a, a frozen wasteland or something and then you look at it, it's just towers of bodies it's, it's so very metal you know so it's kind of a, a little bit more pleasing at a distance and unsettling if you really pay attention to it which is i think a really good description of the music too <laughs> i would have to say that matches up perfectly to my thought process as well when i'm looking at it it gives me like a huge black metal vibe which i, I was really confused going into it because i was kind of maybe presumptively thinking that that's kind of more along the lines you would take this time around. And I didn't know mm-hmm. how that would sound, but I was, I was very much mistaken, but also, yeah, new album's killer, by the way. Thank you. I love your, uh, I love your background, Dark Souls. Oh, thanks, <laughs> Nemesis, yeah, yeah. yeah, it took me a while to get those. And uh, strangely enough, I haven't even played most of the board games themselves. Cause they take time to set up like this one right behind me to my right takes about an hour and a half just to set up. Yeah. So that's a pain in the ass, but anyways, <laughs> I digress. I know this is jumping back a little bit because you've had basically the same logo, but I can't find any information on who you worked with except for Brutal Order Designs. Yeah, so I recently, like, they reached out to us on Instagram because I actually forgot who had done it. Somebody asked me about it. Um, it was maybe our manager or something that asked me about it, and it was so long ago that I couldn't remember exactly who had done it. But yeah, they reached out to us on Instagram, and they were like, oh, yeah, we did your logo and all this. Um, but I believe they were from South America. I don't know where exactly they were from. But I remember them just reaching out to us and sending us like a, a mock design that was very similar to that in like 2014, maybe. And uh, yeah, they just sent it to us and we thought it was really cool. <laughs> we saw like the bug wings and everything. We're like, oh, that's really interesting. And we changed it a little bit. And yeah, and we've stuck with it ever since. We've talked about we've talked about changing it up a little bit over the years. Like, you know, we've been through a lot of changes and that. We're like, oh, maybe we should do something a little different. And we've had a couple alternate logos that we've done for merch or whatever, but we've never put it out as like an official thing. Because uh, it's just, it's it's very, it's kind of iconic now. It's just very easy to recognize when you see it. And it's, I've looked at other ones, and I'm like, it's cool, but something about the wings and everything, it just fits, you know, the the, uh, the pincers on the bottom, on the A, everything is, yeah, it's unique. I really like it's in a way it's similar to eaten by sharks in this way but it kind of incorporates like you have a very bug-like design so it incorporates the imagery into the logo itself it, yeah. it's very well suited and when i when i was first drawn to your band that was one of the reasons why mm-hmm. like before before listening to the music obviously 
Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, yeah, I used to just buy CDs and stuff because the logos and the art looked yeah. cool, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, now it's almost too easy. You just press play on Spotify. It is, and it, it's very. It makes you less attached. I miss so badly going to you know. I, we had uh, we had Fye Sam Goody that kind of thing here, and just going there, you know, and after school and like my friends and I would like put money together. Like we'd be like, oh, we need like fifteen bucks. Everybody put in five bucks, and then we would like share a CD, and then you were attached to it. You know, like it creates a a bond to that. And now it's not like that. It's like oh, I guess I can check this out. And you click on it and you listen to it for 30 seconds. And if you don't like it, you never listen to it again. It's like, you know, I miss that. The first time you put a CD in or a vinyl or whatever. And just let it go. And like, you know, even if you didn't like it, you're like, hopefully I find one song I liked because I spent $10 on this. So you'll listen to all of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and you make a concerted effort to actually enjoy the music. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to impact metal going forward? Things like streaming, and then also say with uh, venues and their merch cuts, the rising cost of merch and vinyls and things like that. Do you think it's going to have a detrimental effect, or is it something that maybe um, corrected? It doesn't really seem to be hurting, hurting most bands um, as far as like rising costs. Like it makes it more difficult, but generally, like as far as merch sales go, it seems like most people are understanding, right? Like everything's going up, like you know, so. Yeah, I mean, we've had to kind of adjust our prices on, on merch and stuff. Like, we're going to Europe again for the first time in a few years this year. Actually, like, next week we're leaving. And it's our first time back in mainland Europe since 2019, since before the pandemic. And one thing we've learned is some stuff has stayed the same. Obviously, merch has gone up. But, like, fuel there is, like, six times as expensive as it is here in the States. And... So we're going over there prepared to basically spend all of our money on gas, which is not a problem we would have had, you know, three or four years ago. So that, you know, we'll see how it goes, but that could very well limit us from going back to Europe for, you know, and, and maybe go back to just do like some little festivals or something. Like, cause this is our first time doing the festival. So we're kind of trying to do all of them and play shows in between to help us get from place to place between the fest. So we can keep our, you know, keep making money while we're over there and not having too many days off. But I think that, yeah, depending on how it goes, like it could be one of those things where we just fly over and we're only there for a week instead of a month, you know, because of the expenses. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. Um, it's, you know, some bands just aren't touring now. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, like we're, luckily we're, we kind of, we got lucky, like we just started doing kind of decently right before the pandemic. And then we all kind of got screwed, you know, like everybody did pretty much. And when we came back, we actually had more fans coming to our shows than before the pandemic, which was great. I didn't expect that at all, honestly. So we're very lucky, fortunate that we were able to succeed during this time. You know, um, that's not the case for everybody. But yeah, it's it's a battle for sure. I, I think about it all the time. Like, you know, like COVID took everything away from everybody pretty much, and you know, overnight, it's like that could happen again at any time so it's taught me a lot to appreciate both being a band and both appreciate being home <laughs> more than i did before you know before all that i think so one of the things that i kind of wanted to focus on there for a moment is um like you're speaking about spending a lot of your money on gas on merch and all that kind of stuff uh, sorry with merch cuts thought process aside 
It's kind of worrying to hear a band of your size still being worried about things like the cost of fuel when you have so many other more local, smaller bands that are still trying to make it across the pond, either one way or the other, like from Europe over here. And it just seems like that may not be may not be a reality for so many new bands moving forward. Like you said, a lot of bands now just aren't even touring. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, like the merch cut thing is uh, that's a whole you know that's a whole another thing. I could go on about that all day. I I personally I don't mind paying a merch cut if the venue is very accommodating, very respectful. If they're going out of their way to make sure you have a wonderful experience and take care of you, and you know, they provide you with food and shower, that kind of thing. You know, and, and that that I understand. Like that's why in those situations I don't mind um, somewhat of a merch cut because it's like, especially if they're giving you free free booze and this kind of thing. You know, and it's coming out of their pocket. Like okay, I can. There's a, a point where I can understand it, but a lot of these places show up. And, uh, and, you know, I'm not going to name any names. Some venues are great. Some are not. It's just part of the, the game. You know, <laughs> not everybody's going to be in a good mood every day. And then sometimes you catch people on a bad day and that is what it is too. So, you know, I try not to be too, too, uh, sound too ungrateful because I'm always grateful to play a show, but sometimes you, you show up and you just get walked all over and, you know, treated poorly. And it just kind of is what it is. Um, and it's, it's long days for everybody. And, uh, yeah, and sometimes you show up and they, you know, they want this or that and they want X amount of your money and you know, we'll argue like, well, we deserve X amount of your bar cut then. <laughs> um, but no, we've gotten, our band is good. We have a, a really great uh, merch guy and he also does some tour managing for us and we've honestly got to the point where if someone comes at us and tries to threaten us for a merch cut that we will just leave and either not sell merch or we will just, you know, just not pay it. <laughs> like, yeah. We'll try to count, make you count in or whatever and we're like, well, you know, we're not paying you for us to sit here and have to count stuff in to keep track for you if you want to count it and you want to take care of it and you want to go in and out and spend your time you know your harder your hard time and money to do this then we will pay you what you need for it but we're not going to do all the work for you and then hand you our money <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah it's, it's a very interesting uh economy with, with the merch cuts and everything but yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard. You know, renting vehicles is crazy expensive for international bands. You know, buying buying vehicles. You know, we, we just got a new van, and you know, like, we, don't get me wrong, like our our band is doing fine. You know, we're not like it's really struggling, but it's um, it's still a lot to be conscious of because, you know, if if something goes wrong and you miss a couple days of you know touring, if your van breaks down or whatever. That could be mostly your. If you miss a, you know, three or four shows, that could be the majority of your profit margin for a whole tour. You spend about half of a tour, if not more, working to basically get out of the debt that you were spending to go on the road. Whether it's you know, your rentals, the people that you're paying to work for you or with you, uh, your merchandise, you know, that kind of thing, lights, uh, anything, you know, gas, that whatever it may be. And then usually around the second half of the tour, if you're lucky, that's when you're like, okay, we're making, we're we are making money as of now. If you miss a couple shows, it could be half of your income that you go home with, you know? So it's rough sometimes. <laughs> What's the worst experience you've ever had trying to get to a show so that you wouldn't miss it? Oh, man. Almost every tour, something happens. It's just like, I actually was talking to somebody about this. Um, one of my friends that does lights, he was like, he's like, I have a friend uh, who's going on tour. They're filling in for a, a vocalist for a bigger band. And um, it's like, they've never been on tour before, you know, like I'm happy for them, but also it's like, how do you feel about that? You know, like somebody who's never really had to work really hard for it or struggle just kind of getting a, a, a really easy gig like that. And I'm like, well, first, like I'm happy for anybody, you know, like that's cool. Good for you. That's great. But I think the struggle isn't like 
it's not the kind of thing of like, you know, people say like your parents, like, oh, like I struggled growing up, you should too, or, you know, that whole kind of mentality. But like more so the struggle teaches you how to um, navigate and cope with the things that happen on the road because things happen every day. Your van breaks down, your gear breaks, someone gets sick, uh, you know, something happens at home, uh, just that kind of shit, you know, something happens almost every day. So like learning how to work through those things and keep a level head and, you know, problem solve, like whether it's fixing your vehicle or finding someone who can at two in the morning or you know, that kind of thing or whatever. So you don't miss a show uh, or, you know, being able to take care of your own gear, you know, that's broken from being beat up in a trailer, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I think that's just important to know. But I'm trying to think of exactly where I was going with that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, uh, but yes, it's, it's it's one of those things like, you really need to experience that stuff. I feel like you know to uh, to be able to overcome it when it does happen. You face the more common challenges in quicker intervals, so that you're able to face the the higher degree of adversity when it does come forward, and then you're able to sit back and say, "Well, I've I've already worked out these problems. Now I'm finding or facing something that seems insurmountable. Now I can break it down and kind of move." Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's one of the things. Any like any other day can be a crisis situation for you know just depends on how you handle it. it can be a lot. Well, you, you guys have had no shortage of adversity um, while building signs in this form. Unfortunately, some of that came from the uh, controversy due to allegations against a previous fan member. Not going into details or rehash the issue because that's already been settled. But also, I'm interested in how signs of the swarm survived what could have been like a complete cancellation. Uh, the way you pushed forward took incredible perseverance and grace. So, what are the, some of the things that you guys did as a band that you think helped you navigate that era? Yeah. Um, so, I think one thing that people don't always realize is I think, I think a lot of people have the image in their heads of like bands when we were younger, like, you know, when I, I was younger, you know, metalcore bands, that kind of thing. Like it was always this image of like, it's a brotherhood. Everyone lives together, spends all their time together, grows up together, might be off and on with the same chicks, like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's a very, like, that's like a very stereotypical imagery of, like what we kind of grew up with, mm -hmm. but especially now just with like the way the internet is and, and all this, it's like, it's not really like that anymore. Like I love the guys in my band. They're very good friends of mine. Uh, like they're my best friends, but you know, I, like I'm the kind of guy I, I spend most of my time at home with my girlfriend and my dog. And I, I don't usually ask too many questions about any, you know, unless somebody wants to speak with me about something, we all just kind of live our lives. And then we get together. This is, we love this. It's a band. It's, what we love to do, but it's work too. You know, we try to kind of like separate that from when we come home. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing with that is what I, what I was getting out of that is like a lot of the times when these things happen, people will kind of come for the band and be like, well, how did you not know? Like, how do you spend this much time with a person? How do you not know? And it's like, for the most part, if someone's doing something wrong, they're not telling people. And <laughs> exactly. it's not really, it's not so much, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's not like our job, but it's not really like my duty as a person to be like, you know, um, hey, how's your relationship? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. if it comes up, I'm more than happy to talk about it. But it's that's not like my goal. My goal is, um, hey, we need to make good music and perform well. You know, <laughs> obviously, if I see something, I would say something. But again, it's like it's most people that are doing something wrong, not putting it out there for their friends to see. You know, so I guess a little bit of blissful ignorance, you know, going into that is is almost helpful because like genuinely 
I was just as caught off guard about some of the things, you know, that I've heard as well as other people. So just kind of like taking that and then learning how to talk to people and be sympathetic, but also like serious. So like, you know, when, when things have come out with our past members, like people will come to me about like, Hey, this guy's in your bed and this is happening. And I, I've kind of just become like, I'm friendly and I'm really pretty easy to get along with. I think so. A lot of times people come to me about things like that or you know, just in general in our band, you know? Um, so yeah, like learning how to, um, be sympathetic towards situations, you know, there's obviously if there's victims or people who need help and also being able to be professional and serious and like, you know, stern, I guess at the same time, it's a very fine, you know, balance. So, but yeah, I mean, we've just kind of always taken it like, you know, I try not to take those things too personally because like, obviously again, it's not like things that I, that really any of us like know about and are actively, you know, paying attention to most of the time it's things that happen and it's just as much of a shock to anybody as it is as us as it is to anybody so i would say you know we spent a lot of time just like inner you know reflecting inner reflection with those kind of things and like trying to pay attention more to as like things are happening pay attention to our each other's lives you know, more closely now and, and and we have a really good thing going on but just pushing through and doing what's right, honestly. I know that sounds really silly. Like, oh, just do what's right. But, like, you know, we kind of taken it. We've always taken it as, like, if that happened to somebody, you know, or if, if somebody has done something to deserve to be removed from the band, it's like, well, most likely that's, you know, their fault. And it's their something they need to handle on their own and something they need to take care of, you know. It's, like, it's never really been, like, our band has been out on tour and while we were on tour, someone did something to somebody. And then that's something that we should all be held accountable for. It's, you know, usually things that happen in their, somebody's personal life that it really has nothing to do with us, honestly. So when it comes to that, yeah, it's just like, Hey, you have obviously made a mistake. You need to go take care of this and take care of yourself. And we need to go continue to work. And that's just, is what it is. You know, that's how we've kind of gone about it. That's my, like general philosophy with you. Cause I, I have dealt with this like four or five times in this band in the last 10 years. And it has been a surprise to me every time that I've had to do this, you know, it's never, never, ever been something I've expected from anyone I've worked with. Um, so yeah, I've just kind of taken it like by trying to be sympathetic of the people involved and just trying to, you know, separate myself from that because it's not my fault. And to an extent, it's not my, my problem. I want them to have to handle it and, and take care of their own, uh, their own, it's their responsibility. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's, a that's how we've kept going. And I'm very grateful that every time, you know, we've had a, a loss or anything, I'm very proud of like the, myself and the people in our band of like being able to take that, um, you know, new members coming and going and like, um, use it for the better, you know, like we've all kind of grown every time from that and used it to our advantage to, you know, we find people that have you know, a, a different sound or something that, that I think adds to what we do and people who want to tour more, you know, because we've had, we've had people in the bands for years that maybe weren't expecting us to tour as heavily as we have become. Some we, you know, that would hold us back a little bit, but it was worth it because they were you know, integral to the band. So anytime we you know, have a loss, we, we try to find people who are very fit to do what we do and that helps us grow. So it's unfortunate, but usually, you know, from the, from the ashes, you know, you rise if you're lucky. So, I think you guys have done a really good job of that. And some of the things you touched on were 
clear boundary or clear boundary lines. Um, you're able to be respectful yet stern, and then you're also um, in the position where where you still want the best for everybody who has been a part of the band, and you you push them out not because you want to, but because that's better a better business decision essentially yeah i was going to ask about oh sorry go ahead no you're fine i was just gonna say it's you know being being in a band is like it is a lot of work and it is very hard to focus on yourself and focus on this at the same time even you know me now like almost 10 years i'm struggling to find time to you know get married and stuff like that so you know it's very hard to focus on yourself and try to better yourself if you something you want to do being on the schedule that we're on you know so like that's kind of a thing too is like you obviously need to work on yourself and it is not, it, it's just, this is not a very easy environment to do that in, honestly, like no, just, no, no, it's no. very difficult. So, so yeah, being able to like recognize that I think is very important and, and recognize that in the people around you, you know, you have commented on the past about um, the complications of touring and how that could have been problematic for some band members. But one thing that you've also touched on in, in a number of interviews and uh, obviously on your social media is that, um, you've been in a long-term relationship for, I'm, I think, about the past 12 years, if I remember correctly, and now you're getting ready to get married. So first off, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, secondly, my second or my question here is, what are some of the key things that you've prioritized in order to keep your personal relationships uh, with a girlfriend or friends or family healthy and productive? Um, it's it's not easy. It's a constant struggle. Uh, there's no real, like, just, you know, answer uh, for that. It's something I, I still think about every day. Um because I always feel like I could be doing more for her and for my family, as well as do more for my band, you know? It's a, it's a, I always feel like I should be doing more everywhere, you know? <laughs> so, um, but I try to make the most, it's very hard. It's, uh, it's not always, um, I don't always follow through, but I try to make the most out of my time at home, uh, just with seeing people. And, you know, when I started touring, when I was in high school, like right out of high school, it was because I wanted to leave, you know, and get out of town and just experience different things and, and travel. And, and then you know, the more I've done it and also the pandemic kind of like forced me to like really appreciate what I have at home because I had to be here, you know? So, um, yeah, then the last few years I've tried to, tried to hold on to that, you know, but I, I always try to have a phone call every day when I'm on the tour, when I'm on tour, you know, and no matter what, really, even if it's just for a few minutes, just to hear, hear each other's voices and, and um, you know, I'm grateful. She she has she's a very uh, stable person. She's very, got a very good head on her shoulders, which makes it easier for me. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not it's not like an uphill battle. She makes it easier for me to do what I do. It's just oh, wonderful. Too. No, sorry, one second. I heard a dog barking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's there. There is no easy answer. It's just trying to be sympathetic and, and be caring. You know, I've, you miss so many things like, you know, weddings, birthdays, funerals, um, it, you name it, you know, you miss it. So just really trying to make the most of the time you have when you are home and, you know, let the people know, here's just a phone call, let the people know that you care about them. You know, <laughs> it's very, it goes, I think it goes a long way. It sounds so, so, you know, cheesy or whatever, but it's like, you know, a five minute phone call can make up for six months of not being there, you know, really good. So, I mean, it's, it's important because you're, you're in a band, you're touring, that's one of your priorities, but obviously she needs to feel like she's a priority as well. If she wants to do this together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is difficult. Like I love her to death, but it is, it is just because I can wake. And then you, know, you take every day as it comes at being in a band, like, you know, we have a lot of stuff planned, but 
every day, you know, you wake up, I could have a phone call from somebody or a manager or whatever. And it's like, Hey, this, this, you have something you have to do today. That's going to take five, four hours of your day. You know, and it's like, yeah. uh, we, we could have plans. And sometimes I, you know, sometimes I'll be like, I'm sorry, I can't, but there are days where I have to do things like that. And it's, uh, it can be very difficult. You know, and all you can really do is apologize, you know, but I think have, being with someone who's, if you're going to do this and you want to have a relationship, being with somebody who's very understanding is very, very important. <laughs> I totally agree. With that said, I know that you're uh, cramped for time there, Bobby. So I'm going to cut that okay. this down. You're okay. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you have, you have a few minutes, I have a few minutes. You're fine. All right. Um, that'll bring me to my next question. So you've reached a point in your career where you don't necessarily have to promote albums as heavily since you are since you have a larger fan base and and you're relatively well known. Are there any big differences between where you tend to focus your energy now versus when you were first starting out? Yeah, you know, um, when I was first starting, it was really just a lot of practice like that was the only thing i cared about was practicing we, we would practice as a band like two or three times a week and i would practice on my own constantly and i still practice but not like that you know <laughs> not like you know four or five days a week um i think it, we focus a lot more on the business side of things now just as far as like making sure that we have longevity and then we can you know keep going from year to year because um, as we've grown and we you know we just have more things to pay attention to like more numbers you know income whatever it may be so there's a lot more that goes into that i think than we ever than i ever would have thought for or cared for and also i think making content is more important for us now before we didn't really care about it it was just like oh we're just gonna go play shows and that's you know but just the way the world is and the way the internet is content's a big thing for us luckily we have a great team of people you know we have uh, a wonderful manager and, and century century media is a wonderful team we have a great pr team so that takes a big load off of us as far as like promotion and that kind of stuff. They handle a lot of that for us. Um, yeah, I'd say a lot of my time is really just focused on like preparing for tours and like logistics, you know, like, um, you know, planning, planning like our, our, our income and our, you know, where we're going to be, when we're going to be there and how we're going to be there. I spend a lot of my time doing that <laughs> um, and making sure that everything goes smoothly, you know, preparing trying to prepare months in advance for things so that way when we show up, there's not as much uh, hiccups, you know, which is not something we ever really cared about before. It was just like, all right, we show up, we play sick, you know, and hopefully everything goes well. But I think I'm getting a little older and where like inconveniences bother me a lot more than they used to, <laughs> especially when I know I can do something about it. So I spend a lot of my time like preparing, honestly, it sounds kind of lame to say out loud, but it's uh, it's not quite as exciting as it may come out off you know, like I don't really live a rock star life or anything like that. You know, <laughs> I don't like, I spend most of my time just uh, thinking about the future and, and trying to make sure we're all good to go for whatever we have to do next. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're muted. I'm so sorry. If you can hear me. Yes. I, I can't believe I was muted, but <laughs> <laughs> I just started talking to myself for a few minutes there. <laughs> so what I was trying to say was that, um, you touched on the planning aspect on things, and it just reminded me of a quote from a coworker of mine, and it's proper planning prevents piss poor performance. And I thought that <laughs> that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And since reaching such a high level of success now, you played with some other bands who are also killing it. So, for example, like Archspire, Entheos, Whitechapel, Shadow of Intent, Lorna Shore, To the Grave, Ingested, and recently you headlined the Toledo Death Fest put on by my previous guest, Keith Wampler from the Convalescence, mm -hmm. just to name a few. 
obviously that list is not exhaustive. There's a whole bunch of other ones, but can you pinpoint from when you went from a moderate level of success to when you blew up? And what are some of the things you can attribute to your success in such a competitive field? I know you mentioned earlier that COVID may have been a, a contributor. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, I still, I still don't really quite feel like we've blown up. Like, I feel like we're, we're doing really well. I'm grateful for that. But I feel like I'm still kind of, kind of like waiting for that, you know, like the TikTok thing or whatever it is. But, but we don't actively pursue that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't go putting our stuff on TikTok, like waiting for it to pop off. But that's kind of what I feel like these days is what really makes the difference is like you have to have something viral. So I remember when we did cesspool video in 2017 we were filming it in 2016 we put it out in 2017 in january and i remember we posted it and like up to that point we had had some videos that had like a couple thousand views i think our only other music video we had before that was from milestone province and it had like i don't know maybe somewhere between 20 to fifty thousand views on youtube at the time i can't remember but it was like it had been out for like a year and we we're like okay this is decent you know um but back then we thought it was crazy that we had something that had like twenty thousand views but but I remember we released the cesspool video on Slant Worldwide, and like it, it started off pretty well. Like it maybe had like ten thousand views in the first like day. By the time I went to bed, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then late at night, a meme page shared it from their meme page on Facebook, and we woke up and the YouTube video had a hundred thousand views overnight, and the Facebook post had like a hundred and fifty thousand shares, and we were like, yo, this is crazy. So that was the first time, and then it had a million views within like a few, like within a month. And I think now it's got like six point something million on YouTube, which is just crazy. So I remember that like was the first time that we were ever like, oh shit, this is cool. Like somebody gives a fuck right <laughs> right now. But but then we started touring around that time and we weren't really making any money at all. So we were like, it's interesting to see like numbers are cool, but they don't really mean anything if you're trying to make a living off of it you know like you go out there and you, you have to hit the road hard unless you're depending it depends on the kind of band you are if you maybe more of a pop kind of band maybe a little bit more metal a little more radio friendly you can probably do that and go on tour and see better results early but being like a deathcore band like people want to see you do the grind you know like the, the basically the industry it, they don't it, they, this industry doesn't really allow you to break in like that off of numbers nobody really gives a fuck about your streaming numbers for the most part so it's really about how many people come to see you is you know depending on how, how your tours go and stuff so you know we've done we've done a good bit of touring but nothing crazy um up to the pandemic I, I remember we we did a tour supporting shadow of intent in the u.s in january february of 2020 right before covid and that was the first time that we had ever like made enough money to where we were like, okay, like we can probably do this pretty much full time. It wasn't like crazy money, but it was enough that we were like, okay, we can focus more on this now and really put our effort into it and it's worth it, you know? And yeah, then we had all the time off from COVID immediately after. Like I put in my two weeks at work right uh, right after that tour because I was like, okay, sick, we're going to go on tour again. I'll be good in between the tours. And like right after that, I went into work and we, you know, we canceled the tour. My boss was like, well... Like, do you want to take your two weeks back because it's like you know it's like oh i don't think you're going on tour i'm like yeah you're right i'm not so i'm glad i stayed because i was able to do something during the pandemic but yeah then we came back um in 2021 and started touring we did a headline tour and it was better than that tour and even though there were less people there so it was interesting people really started spending more money i guess like on our merch around that time so it's it just it helped you know, I, I hate the things like this like success and that 
has to be leveled by money. But it's like we have like four people in our band, and then we're also hiring people to work for us. You know, like nothing crazy. We don't have like techs or anything, but we have you know merchandise and driving and sound and that kind of thing. And um, so yeah, just to be able to maintain it and keep it going was huge. And that was just three years ago, two years ago. It was the first time that we were like, you know, I quit my I quit my job delivering pizza two years ago, and. Um, it's not always easy, but it's, I don't have to do that. I can, I can enjoy the time here with my, you know, with my family. Otherwise I'd be going straight back to work and I would never have any time with my family. And I did that for years, you know? So, but yeah, I would say those were like the two or three defining moments where it like felt like steps, you know what I mean? And right now if it's, I feel like it too. We just did this tour with Whitechapel. Like we did, like last year we did so much touring. We did Chaos and Carnage, which was like a big festival tour, and that was huge for us. We was with Lauren Shore and some other bands that were doing really well at the time, and that was great for us. And then this year we did Whitechapel, which is a huge bucket list band for like all of us, you know. And they were very nice and very, very great. And that that felt like uh, that was one of the ones I've been fighting for since I was in like high school, you know. So that was like another big milestone. So it seems like lately we're hitting them more often which is cool you know it's like they're not quite as big of jumps as maybe that first record you know into the next record but it just feels like it's more consistent like we see constant results which is really really cool and so for you it kind of looks like a more organic um more gradual increase in like your listener base as well as the people who do show up to your shows as opposed to someone like Lorna shore who obviously had their their background but then obviously to the hellfire blew them up because they went viral yeah so i, I would say that's less organic or maybe uh, my terminology but yeah like i i see what you mean like they because it they you know obviously yeah they were grinding for a very long time it's not like they were a band that just like oh they just showed up and popped off like they were putting in the work but definitely exposed them to a whole group and exposed all of this kind of music to a whole group of people that would never ever have even cared to hear that kind of music or look it up you know and all of a sudden it's just being thrown in the face of like millions of teenagers that have never even heard the word deathcore you know it's like it's a it's an interesting thing yeah but i do think it's good for everybody i remember when when they we finished our record our last record not this record and we had went to jersey to uh to film a video and that the night we stayed out there one of the nights we stayed out there we stayed with austin from lauren shore because he's a friend of ours and he was like yeah you're gonna be in town come crash and we stayed there and we showed him some of the new music and he was like, oh, this is sick. This is really good. And he was like, we just got a video done. He's like, don't tell anyone I showed you. But he's like, you're chilling. We'll show you. And it was that video to the Hellfire video. And we hadn't heard anything up to that point. And we just sat there in his little studio room, like just on the floor. We were just sitting on his floor and we were all just looking at each other and looking at him. And we're just like, this is fucked up. <laughs> we're like, wait, we thought, you know, we just finished a record and we're like, dude, this record's sick. Like, it's going to be great. You know, like, I think we're like, we're going to come out on top for a minute. And then, like, a week after we got the record done, we go hear that and we're like, they just fucking beat everyone at the game. Like, no one can compete with this. And we were happy for him, but at the same time, we're like, damn, like, <laughs> like we, you kind we, of we put everything <laughs> on the table and he just came and fucking wipes it off. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really cool, like, to kind of be some of the first people in the world to like sit to sit with him and, and, and watch it and he was i remember like he was kind of like oh yeah whatever videos are right. you know we're just like this is fucking sick dude like this is really really something cool and then like two months later it came out and the whole world blew up and you know we were telling him like dude this is gonna do this is gonna do really well for you and he's like oh you know whatever we'll see and then i so this is a fun little story i don't think i, I don't think i've really told anybody that before <laughs> but yeah we were there with him watching that video before it came out and I'll just, I'll never forget that and seeing where it's come now and very grateful for them for like 
they're good dudes. They don't forget about people like us, you know, like they still take smaller bands out on tour and stuff. They're not just, you know, forgetting and doing whatever they want to do. They're very considerate of the people around them. So very good dudes. It's good to hear so many positive things, especially with and that level of success that people are reaching. You touched on another thing too, reaching success by numbers only. And that's, that's kind of something that I wish that could change. I'm just not sure how it would. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, with streaming and everything, it's just very, very different. You know, we, we've talked about like, Oh, what if we just stopped using the internet? And we just went back to flyering everything, you know, like street teams and shit. Like you get everybody to start street teams again and, and just actually like going to shows and, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think it would work the same. Just because, you know, I mean, fuck, fifteen, twenty years ago, everyone was downtown at the park, whatever, you know, after school, hanging out. You know, there wasn't anything else to do. You couldn't really just sit in your house. I mean, you could sit house play video games, but it wasn't like it is now, right? You know, so like word of mouth was a lot easier to get around, and it's just not really like that anymore. So I don't know. I don't really think there'll ever be a time that it. it is that it was like the way it was, but I do feel like it's going really well. Like, you know, like I said, since COVID, our shows have been bigger than they ever were before. So there's definitely something happening, you know what I mean? Like whether it's the, you know, TikTok and Lorna or just, you know, people want to get out and do more shit now because of COVID or whatever it was. But yeah, I don't know. I think about that all the time. I'm like, how do you beat the system? You know, we'd like our team, like bands, friends, you know, labels, we all talk about this stuff. Like, how do you beat the system? There's, it's, it's, there's a certain amount of it that's knowing what you're doing and, and putting in the effort, but there's also a huge part of it's just luck, right? You know, and hoping that you can't make, you can put out the best record anybody's ever heard, but you can't make somebody give a fuck about it, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's the, that's where the magic happens, I guess, you know, it's how do you make people care? You can't, you just have to keep trying and then hope it catches on. Speaking of magic and, and bands uh, that people care about, who are some of the bands on your heavy rotation? Oh man. Um, man, I listen to everything. I really do. I listen to everything from metal to country to hip hop. To, but I think like my favorite my, my favorite bands that I like can listen to anytime or is mostly the stuff I grew up with, which is like Meshuggah, Gojira, Deftones, Ramstein, um, uh, Slipknot, you know, like that, like I could listen to, I can listen to pretty much anything at any time and I'm, you know, happy about it. But those are my, definitely my heaviest like rotation bands, I think. But, um, I have some pretty ridiculous country playlists that drive my fiance nuts <laughs> that I love too. I really love like, uh, like 90s 2000s country like brooks and don and shit honestly i do it's great driving music and it's just refreshing from you know i sit behind a computer and listen to death metal all day and so it's yeah. nice to have something different i'm a big fan of podcasts too i do a lot of podcasts um it's just nice it's a little more uh it's just it's like refreshing <laughs> but i'm always looking for a good new metalcore i try to like i i the things the, the bands have really got me into like diving into this deep end of music growing up was metalcore like Killswitch Engage and As I Dying and Unearth and uh, you know just all those super riffy metalcore bands like and I, I'm always looking for that now that's still like my favorite kind of music um, like I like metalcore now but I'm not and it's funny as I, I love like progressive and like gent kind of music like obviously I love Meshuggah and Periphery but I don't I'm not a huge fan of the metalcore melding in with that where it's like the same core is the same verse like most bands and then a breakdown you know what i mean so i'm always trying to find like the new wave of 
like riffy metalcore. That's like I, that's what I want. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, there's a lot of great new bands. Like I love like Loathe, which is that kind of riffy metalcore. You know, it makes me think of the, the shit I was growing up with and like Mood Ring and uh, uh, Tactos is an awesome new deathcore band. Our manager works with them, and so I get to hear a lot of their stuff early, which is six. I love that band. <laughs> uh, new Carnifex is great. Uh, Necromantium, it's, it's really cool. Um, but I, yeah, I always find myself going back to same shit that I grew up with, you know, like Deftones. That I can just listen to Deftones for like twelve hours in a day, and just like same songs on repeat. I'm like, fine, <laughs> this is good. I noted that you touched on country a little bit, and that's not something I'm normally into. But I was chatting with Nate Garrett of Spirit Adrift not too long ago, and he actually recommended a few different artists, so like Waylon Jennings, Hank Williams Sr. Mm -hmm. Do you have any Do you have any artists that you could recommend in country that don't sound like the traditional pop country that I'm thinking of, like the the, the mainstream stuff, I guess? Because I think that's where my problem is: is I'm looking at the stuff that everybody sees, whereas instead of diving deeper into the genre. Yeah, I mean, so like, I just I I grew up like in the woods on a farm, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, my, my parents were very much into, my, my mom was into metal too, but my parents were very much into country. And, but yeah, like we, we grew up really heavy on, you know, your classic, like Brooks and Dunn, Shania Twain, fucking, there's like, there's, there's like some of it's almost, it's, it's silly, you know, like I'll listen to some stuff and I'm like, it's not even that it's the best music, but it just puts you in a place. It's like upbeat. It's kind of funny. Yeah, you know, we're like we'll listen to it in the van, and we'll just be like, "This kind of hauls ass." <laughs> like, like one thing I, I found with like, like, like old Toby Keith before he was like super Christy and kind of racist. <laughs> it was like, like the like the drum beats in the songs in like the '90s album, '90s country albums. Uh, like, uh, like he has a record called Boomtown. Um, like the drum beats are like basically two step hardcore beats. Like no joke. Like we'll be in the van just like you know like throwing down, and uh, it, so. Yeah, I mean, like old Brooks and Dunn. Like I, I can't, I can't say that enough. Um, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, you ever heard of Wheeler Walker Jr.? I have actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Wheeler Walker Jr. Just because it's so fucking violently aggressive anti-country music. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, you're you're, you're George Straits. You know, you gotta have that. My, my fiance is a big fan of George Strait. Um, yeah, I, I have a. I could email it to you. I have a huge country playlist. We call it Dang Old Yeehaw Trucking Playlist. It's what we listen to on long drives. It's got all kinds of shit on there. <laughs> awesome. Well, Bobby, I appreciate you taking this time out to speak with me today. Amongst the Low and Empty, that was released on Friday. Now, I don't remember what day it was because I just worked a set of nights. So let me just check. What was that, the 29th? Oh, it was the 28th. Yeah, 28th. 28th. Oh, it's close. That's not bad. So no. This morning was my Friday killer record i've listened to it a few times myself i basically love all the songs they're awesome thank you yeah i'm very very stoked it's very nice to have it out and uh i'm very excited and grateful that people are liking it and listening to it and it seems to be a very good response i haven't seen too much negativity so that's cool i don't really let the negativity get to me too much honestly i don't really care because not everybody's gonna like everything but generally it's been really good and that's awesome to see well, it's especially awesome, too, because you poured your heart and soul into this. Like every other record, you had to bring on two new band members thing for you. And it was the second one, well, second one since COVID, but the first album since COVID has kind of been a done thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been an adventure. <laughs> it's definitely been a journey. Well, I appreciate this time, Bobby, and uh, hopefully we'll touch base in the future. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. 
If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.